Ladies and gentlemen, it's my great privilege and pleasure today to introduce you to Mandy Scott. Now, Mandy is the Chief Information Officer for the IT for Finance function. So she's responsible to map out the IT strategy for all of the finance in Standard Bank Group. Now, that is a big job. Welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you, Yusuf. Now, if you look at the photo, you will see that Mandy is female, and you can hear it from her voice as well. And that's something we focus a lot on the show so far is, is it hard for females in IT? Because we are notoriously bad at attracting females. Did you find it like that? Tell us a bit about your history and um, what is the challenges you found around, especially women in IT? Sure, I've got a fairly long story to tell, but I'll try and um, shorten it a bit. So. I started in the IT industry about almost two decades ago. And when I started, I started off as an Were IT operator. Then? No. Oh, gosh. Yosef, that's such a compliment, yes, but I wasn't nine. <laughs> um, so I had the option of actually um, going ahead with a bursary mm -hmm. um, to study chartered accountancy. I'd managed to secure a bursary mm -hmm. for chartered accountancy. Um, it really didn't tickle my fancy, and I landed in IT really by mistake. Mm. Um, but, you know, within a couple of months, I really developed a passion for IT. And I remember um, sort of in my first year, um, I worked as an IT operator. I did a bit of infrastructure work. Um, and we were really just sort of being trained as um, junior developers and coders. And I remember my then boss um, asked us to come back with a career plan, a three-month career plan. And I very optimistically set, sent him a 15-year career plan. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be this by five years and 10 years and 15 years. And he said, what do you want to be? And I said, I wanted to be a CIO. And he said to me, well, there are no female CIOs and um, very few females of color in leadership positions. And I just took that as a challenge to say, well, I would like to be a CIO. There might not be examples for me to look up to, but you know, why can't females be CIOs? What are the things that are you know, impeding women from actually um, moving up the ladder, particularly in IT? And you know, what's stopping women from actually landing such roles? So I think within about three years of being in that role, um, in various roles in IT, I kind of understood that you know, in the bad old days before cell phones, um, before the pervasive use of cell phones, often stand Some by... people would say that were the good old days. No, 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 it was terrible. So often you would get a phone call on your landline if there was an outage or, you know, the batch stopped overnight and you'd have to drive into work. Um, often at dangerous hours of the night, um, you know, often alone. So I think it, it wasn't a glamorous career from that perspective. I think it's a lot easier now. I mean, you can work from home, you can mm -hmm. dial in from home. So I think that barrier has definitely um, stopped. But I think we're not attracting enough women um, from high school into universities and into the mm -hmm. workplace. I think that's the challenge. So we're already starting off with a much smaller um, pool. And I think a lot of women drop off as they move up the ladder. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not systemic you know, just in South Africa, I think it's a global problem mm. of women in IT particularly. That's true. And leadership. And I think 
though you know a lot of organizations have recognized that you need to create those um, work-life balance type scenarios where women can you know in some cases work from home if there's a you know deadline and you need to work on an implementation often it used to be you had to be at the office mm. and often it meant late nights long weekends so that was not always attractive for mm. um, particularly um, young women yeah. but what advice would you give them let's say you let's speak you're a 27-year-old young woman in mm. IT. What advice would you give them? The advice I would give a 27-year-old young woman would be, I think, go out and try and learn as much as possible. Um, I mean, we talk about multi-skilled and cross-skilled employees. That is the flavor of the day. You know, two decades ago, you know, I often had three roles. I'd be a tester on one project. On the next project, I'd, I was a developer. On the next project, I was a business analyst. And that was how it was. You just mm. had multiple roles. So I think for any young person, you can't... I think gone are the days of kind of moving up vertically. You're going to have this moving across the different mm. paths, um, across many different disciplines. And I think that actually helps you in terms of having that bird's eye view when you do get into a leadership mm. position. So don't be afraid to do something that looks like it's a side step or sideways mm. step in your career. Um, and be open to learning new skills. Mm. And you constantly have to learn new skills. Yeah. Um, I think we used the meme before called, it's not a career ladder anymore, it's a jungle gym. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's precisely it. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, it's precisely it. I think the days of only moving up one vertical structure, I think, are gone. Um, but I think, you know, if you think long-term about your career, I think being able to work across many disciplines definitely helps you in terms of moving into a leadership position because mm. you have an intricate understanding of multiple disciplines and how they all fit mm. into each other. I mean, if you're a CIO, you don't understand architecture, you've got a problem. Mm. Or if you're a CIO, you don't know nothing about infrastructure, it's, it's also mm. going to, um, you know, um, mm. fall short in terms of your ability to really have impact. Yeah. That's very good advice. And probably one of the questions I get most is, and funnily enough, it's mostly females, mm. early 30s. They have this question, should I go do an MBA? Will that help me to climb the career ladder? And yesterday I had a meeting exactly about that where CIO of a, and another organization came to me and said is the organization is strongly recommending they should do an MBA. And I wasn't convinced of that within the IT discipline, that that is valuable or not. What is your view on that? What would you tell people? I think it depends. Yeah. And I'll qualify that statement. So I completed an MBA, but my reasons for doing an MBA were not about career progression. I did an MBA when I was already an executive, I was already a CIO. Mm. But what I struggled with was just a bridge in the gap between very senior executives of an organization and how they thought about business and how they thought about strategy. So I wanted to close that gap. And that was the reason why I did an MBA. Mm. And I think the MBA teaches you other things. The content itself, you can read many books mm. and you'll gain the same content. But I think it was about the discipline. It was about being able to deal with complexity because you're probably in a very senior role. You've got multiple things that you need to juggle. It's home life, it's the MBA, it's work. So how do you create sustainable balance between maybe five dimensions in your mm -hmm. life and still do well with you, within your MBA? Yeah. And more than anything else, I think it was the networking. Um, I also want to kind of 
also caution people just doing an MBA just for career progression because mm. it doesn't always manifest in that in that manner. Yeah. Um, I think it is a valuable course to have, mm. but I think there are probably more valid reasons to an MBA other than mm. just career progression. Yeah, so what I like about what you're saying is I think an MBA is... You're right, the MBA is great for networking. Mm. And what I've also seen with, especially females that do MBAs, it is as if their world opens up. Yes. They, a lot of females I've seen that do MBAs start thinking, should I start my own company? Because suddenly they gained a lot of confidence. Absolutely. And the MBA gives them that. And it's almost not the knowledge so much that's important. It is the networking, the confidence, all of that. Because I normally take a bit of a different tack to you mm. on that but you're right it all depends on context is I think especially in IT today if you want to be a great manager that moves an organization forward it's not so much about the finance or strategy it is about it's becoming technology again yes when things are cloud when things are um, new ways of working when things are all these new fangled things, people want to buy people that can do change. Yes. And they want to know, do you even understand big data? Mm. What can I do out? How can I be on the map? And my suggestion then is rather do a portfolio thing where pick a big data course, you know, yeah, of a absolutely. week. And then go do a cloud course for a week and string it together. But it won't give you that thing that the MBA gives you, which is also just yeah. the deeper networking. Yeah. So maybe you have to do a combination of both. I would agree with the combination of both. I mean, I think as IT leaders, we mistakenly believe that once we've become a leader, we don't need to do any of the short courses that mm. we used to do yes. just as, as, as a part of our um, growth and development as, as, as uh, more junior employees. So I think there's definitely merit in that. And in fact, if you're not a CIO that's in touch with all the different um, disruptive technologies mm. um, and emerging technologies, then I think you'll really fall short mm. in terms of your ability to impact and really lead the change and move an organization mm. forward. So I agree with you. I think a combination of both is probably key. And it also depends on the organizational context. I mean, yes. if you're working for a Google, yes. would you need an MBA? Probably not. Hell no. Um, I think they it also depends on the sector. For it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think it depends on the sector. Yeah. It depends on the type of industry. It depends exactly. on the organisation. And some organisations, um, you know, you know, really prize and value an MBA. Then I think yes. in that context, you need to look at it. But I think the context of the organisation is also quite key, and I, the industry. I think you're spot on because if I think about South Africa now, yeah, government. Um, state-owned enterprises, all of those guys value MBAs a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I see most of the guys coming from those areas. But it seems to me in the banking sector, the guys that are more fintech, it becomes slightly something different. So Absolutely. spot on, you you have to choose which, call it sector you're in. Mm -hmm. But, but yes, you must no, also remember, I mean, you know, five or seven years ago, we didn't have a lot of the disruption that we're seeing yeah. today, a lot of the innovation that we're seeing today. Mm. I think the makeup of a CIO was fundamentally different to what yes. you're seeing today. So to follow on to that question, if you have to put a curriculum together, mm. now there's, again, somebody in your team, you know, they're on the CIO track, and you two sit and do career planning. 
you've said go gain experience in all of the different disciplines. Mm. So don't just stick in one on in one thing. Secondly, now go do short courses. Yeah. Let's assume they have an MBA. What short courses would you say? So in your experience, what what are those five or six things you think mm. think they should go look at? I would definitely say cloud. I think yep. cloud is pervasive. It's the way of the future. Mm -hmm. And if we are not cloud ready and we don't get ourselves and our teams cloud ready, mm -hmm. I think we're going to fall short and that wave is yes. going to leave us behind. I think the second one would definitely be data. And if I look oh. at the portfolio I look after, it's all about data. Mm -hmm. Data is the next big thing. It's all about predictive analytics. It's all about value management. Um, mm -hmm. You know, finance on steroids, I call it. Um, oh, that's a nice word. <laughs> and uh, obviously digital. Um, I mean, you you wouldn't think how would you use digital in finance, but there's so many use cases for digital and robotics. So I would definitely say those top three for for me um, are quite crucial, and they can be applied in any industry. Mm. Um, what is digital for you? Sure, digital for me is beyond automation. It's about customer and user experience. So remember, my customers from a finance perspective wouldn't necessarily be external customers to the bank; they internal. Mm. users of finance systems. So how do we create an environment where everything is at a push of a button? Mm. Services are seamless. Uh, we create intuitive reports. You can almost predict what type of reports a person would want to see when it's a month mm. end or it's a year end. Um, everything totally fully automated, um, complemented with uh, robotics and complemented with mm. data. In fact, you can't talk digital without data. Okay. The two go hand in hand. Data is the fuel for digital in Absolutely. a way. Absolutely. Okay. Another part which I think comes naturally more to people like yourself in a way, it's a bit of a steep learning curve for me, is call it the softer side of things. Mm. What, again, do you think would be... Again, let's stick to courses, because yeah. now you have your rough-and-tumble IT <laughs> person or who's been doing coding and now they're into management. Again, what courses, the softer courses would you recommend? You know, because not everything is technical. You know, I, I don't know if there's a particular course that you can um, go to that will provide you with yeah. the skills on how to have empathy. empathy I think it's yes. a it's a dire shortage that most leaders mm. have. Because empathy builds rapport with people. Mm. It builds engagement. If you understand the shoes that a person walks in every day mm. and understand what makes a person trigger, what are the things that push their buttons, how do people think? Because um, it it's very easy as leaders to be so divorced from what people actually go through on a daily basis. And being empathetic to uh, life situations, because then you understand how you drive your teams. What are the things that make your teams tick? What are the things that make people want to follow you as a leader? And if you can't have empathy, if you can't be authentic as a leader, you mm -hmm. are hiding onto nothing. Yeah. The example I always give is, um, you know, even before I became a mother, I used to push my teams very hard. And I just couldn't understand why somebody couldn't work until 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, you know, until you kind of understood that, you know, perhaps she's got a baby at home, she's still got to get home, and she's got another job when she gets home. Um, or, you know, somebody's got a, an ill parent or an ill sibling. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's just bringing that humanness back into the workplace. Or meetings and I think that start at 8. Or meetings that start at 7, actually. I've yes. seen that. You know, bad behaviors. People mm. starting meetings at 6.30. And I'm not saying we don't have, you know, crunch time and crucial mm. times mm. where we have to kind of um, mm. 
mm. buckle down and we work hard and we reward teams for that. But I think it's just about also just understanding that people are people. And we've lost that human touch, I think, in the corporate. Yeah, I think I, I fully agree with you. Now, if you could pick an animal, your spiritual animal, what do you associate yourself with? Sure. I somehow knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> it's my standard question. Funnily enough, I would probably say an elephant. Sure. Okay, yeah. I think an elephant, um, and not not its size or anything. I haven't chosen it for its size, but I think the elephant has empathy. I think many studies That's have true. been conducted that an elephant has empathy. Um, I think because of just its stature, it has sheer majesty about mm -hmm. it. Um, it's, it's one of those animals that is respected. Mm. Um, and I think also it's a very wise animal. Mm. It's wise. It's, it's considered in its mm. approach. Um, I think it's just one of those animals that really I look up to it and I just think it's just a wonderful creation mm -hmm. of nature. I um, like that. Yeah. Maybe a closing question. And it's very yeah. community-based. It's got that sort of yes. community-based. I mean, they'll, elephants will often mourn for days when one of their own mm. passes away or dies. Um, you know, and they'll often, you know, not even leave the, the site where the loved one has passed. Yeah. So I think it's... And I find that there's a You're correlation a with the human person, nature. person, actually. I actually am. Uh, in Ubuntu. a way... Very much. Ubuntu is something that um, I, I've always lived my values by, and I think that was shaped by just the community which I grew up in, mm. um, my grandmothers. And I, I realized as I grew older that it really takes a village to raise a child. That is very true. Yeah. That is very true. What does your day look like? But detailed. What time do you get up? What's your morning rituals? What do you do sure. during the day? So How do you wind down <laughs> in the evening? So I have two types of days. Mm -hmm. I've got a day where I started, I wake up at 4.30, go to sure. CrossFit, mm -hmm. which starts at quarter past five um, until half past six. Uh, then I'm in the office at about quarter to eight, and then the meetings start. Um, your child, how does that get? My son is four years yeah. old. Um, and then typically my day will end at about six. I do try and get home by 6.30, yeah. quarter to seven, so I can tuck him in, you know, it's reading, okay. it's uh, feeding time, get him bathed, get him ready for mm -hmm. bed. So that's a very rushed sort of last hour of my day. But it's the most valuable hour of mm -hmm. my day because that's the time that I get to spend with him and um, just be a mother. Mm -hmm. um, then that's three days a week. Then two days a week, um, I get my son ready for school. I drop him off at school. Okay. And I consciously had to do that. Um, I think when he was much younger... I didn't get the work-life balancing right. Um, I still very much chased the career. Um, often, you know, he, I'd leave and he'd be asleep. I'd come back home mm. and be asleep. And I realized that that's not um, the kind of parent I want to be mm. because I'm also teaching him bad behaviors around how to treat females mm. in the workplace. You know, I just sat back and I thought, if he's to become a leader one day, if he sees how I was... Um, you know, managing my work-life balance, you know, that's, that would be his template in life. Mm. And I think it became a template for other women. You know, many women in the previous organizations I'd worked for would often say to me, I don't want to be who you are. And I'd say, why? And they say, mm. you just 
always at work. You come in before everyone does and you leave after everyone does. And that was at my previous organization. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of sat back and I did some real introspection about the wheel of life and, and balance. The wheel of life, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Last question. So yes. what do you think of the Monday morning meeting? <laughs> Actually, I've, I've had um, two thoughts about it. At first, when I first started with the Monday morning meetings, I thought it was an overkill, to be honest. I didn't think we needed to meet every yeah. Monday. But actually, I think as I've spent time with my colleagues, I think Standard Bank is such a vast IT shop, and we are all in very different roles with very different challenges. But I think what I love about the Monday meetings is that we get to connect as colleagues. I don't think we do that enough outside of that forum. And it, it's, it's a small window of, or glimpse into what you know people are dealing with, um, how people are moving in terms of the, um, the things that they want to address strategically, their plans, I think it's very valuable. Um, you know, in some cases, it, it kind of switches between operational and strategic, but I think the combined view of what's happening across the bank uh, from an IT perspective and what's happening even from a business perspective, um, it, you know, it's quite valuable for me. Often I'll get first-hand or yeah. second-hand view of what's happening in PBB or what's happening in the wealth yeah. portfolio. And then you have to deal with a grumpy me. Yes. <laughs> no, actually, I think, I think you, you bring a, a lighter side to our IT leadership Mondays. Yeah. I don't think we spend enough time laughing at each mm. other and with each other as a team. So we do tend to be a little bit on the serious side. Okay. So, so I'm hoping that you will... Continue to be Continue grumpy. Continue to be grumpy <laughs> and so, make us laugh a bit. So to the listeners, the Monday morning meeting is the IT or group IT Exco of Standard Bank. So it's normally a three-hour meeting. And, yeah, so we just explored some thoughts around that. Monday, thank you very much. You were a great joy for me today and thank that I could learn something from you. Thank you, Yusuf. This was also very insightful for me. Cool. Thank you.